the QMC Board and Collar Series for EMS Professionals welcomes you to Excuse My Medic, the podcast version of an MCI with Gary Harvat, Chuck Humphrey, and Ed Marasco. Excuse My Medic takes a unique look at today's emergency medical service with news and information, opinionated discussions, lively talk, sporadic jabs, and even a few belly laughs from our world of emergency medical services. Excuse My Medic is brought to you by Quick Med Claims, a national leader in emergency medical service revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, hang on to the bench seat and tighten your lap belt as these old guys from EMS Past take you on a Code 3 ride without touching the brakes. You've had the disclaimer, and if you're still brave enough to stick it out, let's get started. Take it away, guys. Well, good day, everyone. My name is Gary Harvat, and welcome to this holiday edition of Excuse My Medic. We're so glad you joined us. And of course, always joining me are my two colleagues slash sidekicks, uh, Ed Marasco. Welcome, Ed. Hey, Gary. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you for this holiday edition. It is. And of course... Uh, Chuck Humphrey. Now, I might add, uh, this, is, of course, is a podcast, so it's an, it's an audio track, but I will tell you that uh, as we record this, we're looking at one another, and I've actually bought a bow tie, as you guys can see, uh, for my, um, I just got it yesterday from Amazon, uh, a whopping $7.47, um, and uh, it's not a, it's, it's a, it's not a clip-on, so I didn't go that low, but it's, it's already pre-tied. Uh, Ed's in his red holiday sh- uh, sweater, which looks very, very nice, Ed. Congratulations. Looks really, really good. Kudos to you. Thanks, G. Chuck's in a black sweater. <laughs> I am in my QMC quarter zip. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very company oriented. I just want to make that statement. Of course you are. Scott, if you're listening, I'm a true company man. Yes. You so, yeah, you, you really just fit the season, Chuck. You really bring me up with that black sweater. Vest. It's actually gray. Yes. Well, it looks very good. Anyway, Ed and I, the two out of the three of us, 66% of us look like we're festive today. So the, uh, the logo's red and white, so that yeah. goes in with the colors. So. I don't know. There you go. Oh, 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 oh. Ed. <laughs> I did have the Santa beard. I've been growing. So you guys don't have that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, That's we, true. Yeah. How's that new wife like that beard, Chuck? She she likes it fine. Thank you very much. So uh, since we last did this, Chuck has now become a married man. Got yes, I have. Right before Thanksgiving on a rock by a pretty nice size pond. Mm-hmm. And uh, congratulations, Chuck. We're glad for you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Hoping yes. Brenda is tolerating you. Sympathy cards to Brenda because she now yes. after a month realizes what she truly got herself into. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as they uh, say, the honeymoon is over, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, we've got a few things to talk about today, folks, and uh, we're thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, we always like to have a little fun here as we go through the day. Keep this light. The world is pretty heavy out there, even still right now. Uh, but we're trying to you know, spruce up the holiday. Not only how we look, but just and uh, how we present today. We do have a couple informative uh, subject matters to cover, and uh, so let's get on with it. Uh, I've asked Ed if he would give uh, an NSA update now. Well, for some of you who might be new to NSA, you're probably sitting at home thinking, 
That's probably the National Security Agency update. Uh, it's not that, folks. And then uh, I understand, not that I've looked at any dating site, trust me, 37 years of marriage, uh, also stands for, NSA also stands for, uh, pull my piece of paper up here, uh, no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, so, oh, the other one is no secrets anymore. Wow. Oh, wow. But for the sake of today's conversation, since we're all three old married men and we haven't been ever on a dating site, um, the only thing it probably can apply to here is the No Surprises Act, um, which sounds kind of boring compared to the other ones. But I think there's it's, a, it's not a boring subject by any means. There's a lot of things happening with it. And Ed tells me there's some stuff that just came off the presses here last evening. So... Mm. I'm going to defer to my colleague, Ed. Ed, tell us more about NSA. That would be the No Surprises Act, if you would, please. Yeah, and thank God it's not a dating site because I'd be in real trouble if I was talking about that here on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so as many of you know, if you've listened to us before, we've, we've provided some updates over the course of time. The No Surprises Act was passed about a year ago, December 20th of last year. And the implementation process uh, or the regulatory development process has been going hot and heavy. And um, just a quick recap, you know, it's going to eliminate the opportunity for healthcare entities to balance bill, meaning when when a patient is out of network, um, we have historically had the ability to bill the patient for the difference between our charges as a healthcare provider and what the insurance company has paid um, beyond just what the cost sharing or copay kind of responsibilities of the patient are. So, that's going to go away effective January 1st. We've been working uh, with our clients and, and uh, we've been doing briefings. Gosh, I think we've done at least one or two a day for the last 10 days. And we have a couple more coming up even next week, Christmas week, with some of our clients to prepare them for the key elements of the No Surprises Act. And there's a couple of key things, as you know. One is um, there is a dispute resolution process now that if uh, we get a payment from, from a health plan that we don't think is adequate as suppliers or providers of health care. We have an opportunity to dispute that, and uh, we go to an independent arbiter who will be responsible for deciding whether the amount we select and we ask for and the amount, or the amount that the health plan offers to pay is the amount that will eventually be required. So uh, we're working with our clients. We've got a, we've got a, uh, a playbook in place here at QuickMed for our air medical clients, because this primarily applies to the air medical clients, that will cover how we're going to process those claims. So we're doing some priority handling because the timelines in the NSA are very tight. So essentially, once we receive a payment from an insurance company after we filed a claim on your behalf as a customer, uh, we've got 30 days to negotiate with the payer around that number, whether it's, um, let's say they disallowed miles for close Oh, looks like uh, Mr. Marasco might have frozen up there, uh, Gary. All right, let's see what happens here. We can edit yeah. that out. And he's in Pittsburgh, so that's he's unique. in the office. Yeah. Hmm. We were on a pretty good roll there. Yeah. Shame. Glad this isn't a webinar. Yeah, me too. Because <clears throat> I'd be going to do, do, do. 
yeah, NSA, the National Security Agency, and they're about knocking on the door. That's where Ed went. He's That's being hauled off to jail right now. Yeah. I haven't had my third cup of coffee yet. Christy went and got us Duncan. God bless her. Oh, nice. And I had my first cup of coffee that I make, and then I have one of my thermos that I'm usually down, but I hadn't gotten to that yet. He's writing me, uh, he's booting back up. Okay. He's had some trouble with that every now and then. Yeah, I know. Crazy, huh? Oh, the world we live in. What do you have planned for the weekend, G? Um, Rodney's tonight. Ah, yes. Saturday at the Palace. Nice. Who's on at the Palace? Uh, Westmoreland Symphony Orchestra. Ah, very nice. Oh, hello, hey, Ed. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, it just, about... it's doing that. It just kicked me out. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, if you want to just, I hate to have you go from the beginning, Ed, but if that's might be the best spot, uh, it's up to you. Yeah, no problem. I don't know where we lost you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So just go with thank you, Gary, and we're off to the race. All right, good. Well, well, thank you, Gary, and, uh, and I'm glad we're talking about the No Surprises Act and not any of those other uh, NSA uh, acronyms. I'll be in big trouble if I'm on this podcast talking about those things. But uh, you're exactly right. The No Surprises Act, which was passed about a year ago in December of last year, um, provides for some limitations to how we can handle out-of-network claims in the air medical transport industry. So essentially, um, we've been able to historically balance bill patients, the difference between the provider's charges and the amount the insurance company paid, and effective January 1 will no longer be able to do that. Now, one of the key provisions of the No Surprises Act is an ability to dispute, uh, to, to resolve disputes between providers and the health plans, and that independent dispute resolution process or IDR process is really has become the source of some heartburn. Now, we here at QuickMed have been working feverishly to develop um, very specific guidelines. We have a playbook for our clients and how we're going to handle our clients' claims, which includes some priority handling. So, for example, there's tight timelines in the thing. So, if you if you have a, uh, an out-of-network claim and we submit it for payment, we receive a payment, and we're not satisfied, you're not satisfied as our client partner with that payment, there's a 30-day negotiation period that where we have an opportunity to, to uh, work with the insurance company, with the health plan, to get an adequate payment. If we don't, we've got four days to file for this IDR process, and then another couple of days after that to actually get the information in. So it's a very tight timeline. So we're, we're going to be priority handling these claims, flagging them and tracking them very carefully. We're working with our clients. We've been doing briefings over the last couple of weeks, couple of days, actually, um, with our clients. There's some things that we need them to do on their side, you know, we need them to be sort of be prepared up front for what is an acceptable payment and what isn't, so we can make those determinations by algorithm, so on and so forth. All that being said, an awful lot of work happening. Um, the process starting in January is gonna be uh, a little onerous for all the parties involved. But with all that being said, there are also several lawsuits in play right now, um, challenging certain aspects of the No Surprises Act. So. The key point, I think, that almost all the lawsuits harp on is this, what we call the qualifying payment amount. Essentially, the law itself, the language in the act said that the arbiters, when deciding what the fair payment is, 
can take into account several factors. One of those factors is the qualifying payment amount, which essentially is pinned to the median in-network rate that has been paid over a time period for similar services. And of course, the median in-network rate is largely driven by contracts that providers and suppliers have with the payers. So that number is by definition going to be artificially low. In one of the sets of regulatory action, the most recent one, um, the regulators, and there are three agencies, the tri, what we call them the tri-agencies that are administering, developing and administering the regulations, led by Health and Human Services, um, Department of Labor and the Department of Treasury. And in the most recent interim final rule, they specifically guided the arbiters to use the qualifying payment amount as the primary mechanism for determining fair payment. And that was never intended by Congress. It was not identified that way in the act. In fact, the act clearly said there were multiple factors that should be considered. Um, and the regulations kind of got off the reservation. So about six weeks ago, the Texas Medical Association filed suit against the federal government seeking relief from some of these provisions in the act. And shortly after that, about a week and a half later, the Association of Air Medical Services also filed suit only to be joined last week by the American Hospital Association and the American Medical Association, all essentially challenging the same provision. And I'm gonna quote briefly here from a letter that the um, American Hospital Association sent to the tri-agencies just before they filed suit. So this letter was sent on December 6th. And one of their asks is, to restore the independence of the IDR entities by not distorting the process in a manner that negatively impacts patient access to care, undercompensates providers, and has other consequences far beyond surprise medical bills. So, of course, the Air Medical Association has the same basic objection. So, um, there have been briefs filed in the uh, AHA suit as well as the AMA suit, and um, the AHA, Ames, and the American Medical Association have all asked for summary judgment in our favor. Of course, the courts are doing their thing. There's discovery going on and things of that nature. So there you have it. There's where we are right now at, the mo at this moment on December 17th. And uh, back to, because I know we have ground listeners. Yep. Is there any indication that they're going to push forward with this affecting ground non-emergencies? You know, Chuck, it's a great question. I've answered that a couple times this week. I think, look, the intent was never to have ground included on this, um, meaning um, the real challenges from, from a, 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 you know, onerous payment perspective for the patients are on the larger dollar amount claims, which tend to be air and the hospital claims. And look, I was talking to, I was briefing one of our clients last week, as you guys know, I've had some medical procedures over the last six months, and I'm a fairly educated consumer. And certainly, you know, you guys know Joyce is an advanced practice provider. We're, we're fairly in tune to what's going on in the marketplace. And I had to have a procedure, and my physician was in network that was doing the procedure, and I called to make an appointment. And I had two options. I had an outpatient surgery center that he practices at first thing in the morning, and I had the hospital practice site in the afternoon. And, of course, being the smart guy that I am, I chose the first case in the morning because we all know how things can get off the rails throughout the course of the day. Yes. And I found out only after I had the procedure and got the bill that I selected the facility that was not in network with my insurance. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, and it wasn't it wasn't as huge as an air medical balance bill, right. but it was certainly a lot higher than a ground ambulance bill. So to answer your question, I think 
Um, it was really not intended to cover ground ambulance. It's mostly for hospital-based services, physician-based services. Um, now, interesting discussion the other day, and that is what if you're a hospital-based ground ambulance service who yeah. does non-emergency scheduled transports? Right. Because in addition to the independent dispute resolution process, and not able to balance doing all those kinds of things that are happening. There's also some notification requirements as well in the NSA that the hospitals now are struggling with. They actually have to provide good faith estimates of the cost of an elective procedure. So going forward, if I had waited till next year to have my procedure, I would actually have to have received a good faith estimate on the cost of the procedure, including the anesthesia fees and the, and the GI doctor and all the other folks that were involved in my care. And as it turns out, um, one could argue that if you're a hospital-based ambulance service for a scheduled transport, that you should provide a good faith, a good faith estimate for a non-emergency trip. So, uh, again, not certainly the intent, um, but it's an interesting question that we chatted a little bit about yesterday on a call. So, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see how things evolve. Yeah, interesting information, Ed. And I think we've used the terminology here about 100 times before. A very fluid situation. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And yeah, no question. And, and you know, I think uh, the other piece uh, that's in the NSA that uh, the listeners may have questions about is there's now an, an air ambulance data reporting requirement as well, uh, much like, you know, our colleagues on the ground side have been enduring with Medicare. Um, again, it's been delayed because of COVID a couple of times, but um, the same concept is to gather industry information so that the regulators can eventually fashion some sense of whether or not we get paid adequately or not, um, or we're being paid too much. And then we certainly know that's not the case, understanding the business the way we do. Um, so there are those requirements. That data reporting is supposed to begin January 1. Uh, there was a notice of proposed rulemaking as opposed to an interim final rule. The NPRM allows some comment period, a little more um, input than an IFR typically does. And so the Air Medical Association has engaged uh, a private third party um, called Dobson and Devonzo, and, and they have some experience in this area working with hospitals and other healthcare providers. And they're working on a data capture tool for the industry. Now, for those of you who are operating, who might be listening, who are operating air transport programs right now, um, and I told one of our customers this yesterday, um, you may not want to wait until the tool comes out, and certainly the association is commenting and making suggestions for refinement of the data elements, but you should certainly should start to get your information together and figure out, particularly if you have holes in data capture. So if you look at the data elements in the NPRM, and those are data elements, you find one or two that you are currently not capturing, you probably need to find a way to capture those um, and start working on that now, because eventually, we're, we will have to report, um, and eventually we'll get more detail, you know, in a final uh, sort of idea what the final data points are. So, Sure. Well, thank you, Ed. Thanks for that update. We appreciate it. Um, who knows where this will all fall out, but uh, lots of movement nonetheless. Mm. Yes. Merry Christmas to us. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so, Chuck, uh, I'm going to move to you if you could for just, you mentioned you had a couple uh, quick updates on uh, some key subjects. There yeah. are a lot of moving parts out there in our industry right now. So uh, we'll try to just give everybody a synopsis of what's happening. And uh, Ed was nice enough to do the no surprises. And I know, Chuck, you had a, two, a couple things you yeah. wanted. Yeah. So a couple things here at the end of the year, which, um, 
a lot actually. So uh, we learned uh, two days ago that uh, Health and Human Services released the $9 billion of the $17 billion phase four uh, uh, provider relief fund funds. Now, um, there's been some confusion on that. So I want to take a break here because we had a call uh, with a client, uh, Gary and I traded some emails um, and he um, had received some money back in November. And then when the announcement came through that they released funds, he was like, what was this that I got? And it was an amount of money. I had to take a minute and go back and look. But so just to remind everyone, this whole phase four was two parts. The first came with the American Rescue Plan. And that came from the uh, administration. It came from the White House. That was $8.5 billion. And that was all part of that application process that you were urged to do back in November. If you remember, we even had a webinar on that. And um, we urged everybody, as did the American Ambulance Association, the state associations, get those apps in right away. Because the first part of that came from the American Rescue Plan. So it was $25.5 billion. 8.5 came from the White House. And that was targeted to rural and underserved areas so what they did was they looked at all the applications, pulled out the rural areas and said, we need to infuse cash into these areas because they're hurting most. That's a real paraphrase, but getting it down to common language. And they tranched out funds across the board in lump sums to those starting November 23rd. So you may want to go back and look because you may have that money that dropped because you apply, but it dropped right away because they wanted to get that money infused. What we're talking about in this release was actually the public or the provider relief funds. And that is the part of the 17 billion, 9 billion of it, which they released this week. About 75% of those applications have been processed and considered another quarter remain. And they're reviewing some of the more technical parts of some applications. So if you haven't heard yet, stand by. But that release will be one of two things. You'll get your money and you'll get a written letter in the mail stating that here's your PRF monies. And that was based on reviewing back to your period from July 1, 2020 to March 31st, 2021, and looking at those organizations that reported that they had lost revenue and increased expenditures related to COVID. So that's the period that they were looking at. You, you provided that info and they will either approve that amount of money to you or they will deny it. If they deny it, you'll get an email stating why you were denied. And it will give you instructions if you wanna go back and argue with them, probably not uh, worth your time, but nonetheless, you do have those rights. And so watch for the, that mailing, watch for the email, watch your bank accounts for those monies to drop. And then of course, remember, you're gonna to have to go back through a reporting period. Uh, I had a client this week that informed us they missed the reporting period. They did open that portal back up for people who miss. Obviously there were a whole bunch of people that missed that. So in this case, it was good because this client ended up having received less than $10,000 and didn't have to report anyhow. So they breathed a sigh of relief, but there's so much going on folks in your world, we get it. So just be aware, you know, but these monies may have dropped in November, may drop this week. You'll either get a denial or a, an approval and then the dollars will drop. So um, be aware of that. And then for the 25% of you that may be out there that 
that haven't yet been considered, they're looking at your application more in depth. And that'll be the other 8 billion of that. And then of course, this isn't just ambulance. Right. It's across mm -hmm. the entire healthcare. Okay, so that's that. As hey, you know, I have a question yeah. about that real Go quick. Ahead. Um, do we know, like, if I'm if I'm looking at my bank account, do they come from the Department of Treasury, Health and Human Services? Do, how do we identify these payments? They come from HRSA. HRSA. Yeah, ah, so okay. that's the division of HHS um, that uh, has been kind of given this whole lump of distribution. So you will actually see that as coming from HRSA. Ah, and that you. I confirmed. I think Gary, remember yesterday yes. we had communication with that client, and that's where that came from. Yep. Yep. Good yep. question. Okay. So the second thing I want to talk about is you know, we all kind of danced the happy dance because we got over five percent in the ambulance inflation factor. Well, hold the phone because uh, you got to remember that during COVID, sequestration was put on hold. Now that's the two percent dating back eons ago. Where that is automatically deducted from your Medicare payment because the government did something years ago they shouldn't have done. I, I could go back in history. But anyhow, 2% but on hold. Um, it was put on hold, extended through March 31st. But come April, out of your Medicare payments, we're going to lose that 1% again. So it's going to mitigate that 5% increase. I'm sorry to tell you that. Then come July 1, you're going to go back to the full 2% being deducted. So what you've been so so we got a boost last year for COVID, two extra percent. We got a five percent boost in the AIF. We're back down to losing two percent again coming up. So I guess you could look at it glass half full, glass half empty. We did get more money, but the government giveth and the government taketh away. So be aware, no adjustment continuing through March 31st, one percent starting April 1st, two percent starting July 1st. Who knows they won't extend it again we don't see that but just to be aware that um you know you did game some you're going to lose a little bit and then just remind everybody that um the prior authorization medicare for repetitive scheduled non-emergency ambulance transports what we commonly refer to as RISNATs, um, that first phase of the expansion nationwide has now taken place as of december 1st uh, the novitas jurisdiction down in the southwest including, you know, Texas, Arkansas, Colorado, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, Oklahoma, um, those states you now, if you're doing, remember, repetitives are one trip, one location, to and from for the same service, three consecutive weeks or three trips in a 10-day period, you must now seek prior auth before you take a Medicare patient. That includes the Medicare Advantage plans, which then go to the Medicare fee-for-service. Um, that process has begun. We now have learned that jurisdiction J, which is Palmetto, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, and jurisdiction E, Noridian, which is uh, California, Hawaii, Nevada, American Samoa, and the Northern Mariana Islands will absolutely begin on February 1st. So that pre prior auth portal will open up in mid-January for you to begin submitting your prior auth requests. Um, so be aware of that if you're in these states. And then after that, there'll be rollout uh, that will roll to April 1st, and then once again, June 1st for remaining states. So that's in play. Be aware. Uh, be ready for that. Thank you, Chuck. That's uh, good information. And like, like I said earlier, 
lots of moving parts out there right now. Sadly, uh, it's the end of the year and people have a lot of personal matters going on at home for the holidays and these things just keep on rolling right out, don't they? Just doesn't stop. It's a shame. Anyway, speaking of the holiday, uh, let's kind of move it up a notch here. Uh, Chuck, uh, even though you're just dressed in Johnny Cash black today, um, you know, um, I hear a train coming. Anyway, um, um, are, are you doing anything for the holiday, Chuck? Do you have a tree up or are you going with the Festivus pole? We No, we have a tree up. Okay. Um, and I have a nativity scene because I am of the Christian faith. Um, that was interesting because my new wife is a minimalist. When I say minimalist, um, you don't put things on the counters and you have very interesting minimalist furniture. And it's been very refreshing. However, I moved in with a full nativity set. So I have porcelain nativity figurines. I have a barn. I have a palm tree that has lights in it. And I have a replica uh, of an olive tree. Very nice. And and fake straw. When I set that up, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. I truly (laughs) And then because she loves me, I also have a set of lighted angels. Now there's a there's a solemn remembrance to that because I do have a child in heaven that uh, I've not ever known, but um, I wait, she awaits me someday. And those are memorial to her. So God bless my dear wife. She uh, went to my house. Now you have to understand we're renovating a house and living in another place. That's a whole nother story. But nonetheless, she, I arrove, uh, arrived home the other night to see my angel set up in a beautiful display on the kitchen uh, shelf. So She's such a wonderful person. So we're uh, combining holiday themes, um, and uh, it's been fun. Uh, Beyond that, we will be celebrating with my children and then spending time in a VRBO in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with her children who collect from all over the country. So we've got a week-long celebration plan that's just going to be wonderful. Uh, Good for you. It sounds sounds great. Sounds like it does. Sounds wonderful. And uh, as much as... uh, Christmas is uh, basically a week away. Um, the Marascos have, of course, uh, changed their calendar around. They're having actually Christmas at their house tomorrow. So, Chuck, why don't we ride in and crash that party? Uh, yes. I know the Marascos. Uh, there's going to be food for all of them, the neighborhood, and even if we t- if we showed up. So, um, Ed, and I would say the there'll be fish and noodles. Am I correct in that? There will be plenty of food. There will be plenty of food. Starting this evening, as Gary mentioned, tonight's Christmas Eve for us. Our oldest son, Matt, and his wife and our grandson are on their way in as we speak. And uh, their brothers and wives will all be gathering together. It's just like old times. Everybody stays at the Morasco house tonight. And tomorrow will be crazy Christmas morning. And then, of course, Joyce has made, as you said, enough food to feed an army tomorrow at 1.30. So if you happen to be around here, please stop by. We will have plenty. That's good for you. I'm sure it's going to be great. And you got that new grandson there. So you'll, I'm sure it's going to just be a wonderful time. Good for you guys. Um, I really, we kind of had our um, uh, Christmas holiday right when Thanksgiving. You know, I, my uh, son lives out in the Tacoma, Seattle area. And uh, so he's not coming in for Christmas. So, but he was here for Thanksgiving as my daughter and, and youngest son and uh, some other family members. So we had a pretty good time on Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to do a little visiting around. So this actually saves me from doing the old run the vacuum underneath the bedroom and, and on the bed in the bedroom and all those things I typically have to do anytime 
anybody is coming to our home. Um, but nonetheless, we'll be moving about this holiday season. So I'm good with that. A little bit different for us, but nonetheless, also. Uh, well, Gary, you'll be at your favorite water, watering hole tonight. At oh, yes. That's, yes. Oh, yes. Pre-holiday festivities. Well, that, and, and you know, Chuck, I will be wearing this red as well. Yes. Too, so. Oh no! Yes. You are not wearing that to Rodney. I'm telling you, we're going to get a couple Kodak moments for you. As I was, as I said, the... to our listeners, Gary has a stool at Rodney's that has his name on the underside of it. Yes. So um, <laughs> I'm sure it will be a festive event once yes. he has a few libations in on board. Yes. Yeah. So we've got a little local uh, restaurant and lounge that my wife and I frequent every Friday. I know we don't change things up much in our lives but uh, it works for us so we go with it and uh, that's where we'll be uh, uh, this evening and then of course next week is uh, I do have another challenge uh, Christmas isn't really tough this year because uh, like I said we're not really having people over but uh, I've got the wife's birthday on uh, next week as well wow. so um, if I can follow my way through that without getting any scars or screwing something up, uh, I, I'll be okay. So, Will you stop by the Giant, giant. Eagle and get that last-minute cake made there? Yeah, you might remember I had a problem with that last yes. year. Yes. You know? Last year they spelled her name wrong. Yeah, they spelled her right name and wrong. And you tried to correct it and made a bigger mess yeah. of it all. Yes. For those listeners, my wife's name is Terry, T-E-R-R-I. So I called in the order for my cake and went up to the bakery uh, that day and got it. And the lady proudly opened the box to show me the decorations. And it says, happy birthday, Perry, with a P. Perry. Um, so, of course, the cake decorator had gone home for the day. I was without any help. So I went home very quickly. My wife was not home yet. Got the little fork out of the out of the uh, drawer and tried to do a little rearranging of the P and make it into a T. Well, she didn't. She noticed right away. You know, I pretty much butchered it. But it was uh, it was a thought that counts. So we're let's let's roll with it, right? You even want to go with flowers what? this year, Gary? Yeah, I think I might try something like that. I sure owe it to her. That's for sure. So no. Yeah, Amen. Talk about another saint. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. yes. Very God bless you. We at love the, you. you know at that. the pearly gates, there'll be no questions asked. They'll just be waving her through. They'll be saying, you've done your penance. You've done your penance. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, you know, as we talk about the holiday guys, uh, you, you, you know, we all spent time in the, in the field and we all worked the holidays and we, we know um, I enjoyed working the holidays. It was a different time. It was, um, had a different dynamic to it, but you know, a lot has changed since those, those days out there. And, you know, um, we're working in a very, very tough environment right now. And um, these people who, you know, put their shirt and pants and uniforms on every day and go out, even on the Christmas and New Year's holiday, um, I think of them a lot because, uh, you know, Ed, you're celebrating Christmas tonight, you know, God forbid right. something goes bad, there's going to be people there for you. Chuck. Yep. You know, yeah. you and I, next week, yeah. something goes bad. There's going to be yeah. people for, there for us. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, I, I kind of put my head on the pillow each night knowing that I played a very small role, and God bless those people who are still out there, whether mm. they be in the air, in the ground, whether they're law enforcement or fire. Um, they're showing up for work just like it's another day. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that, and it's, uh, it's, it's really a – you know, real commendable thing when we put all our, our heart into our sports teams and nothing. I love sports just like the next guy does. But, uh, you know, when you look at them and kind of look at them for as the heroes, um, they're really not. It's these people who are doing their job as really unsung heroes each day. And um, 
So uh, I personally, you know, my hat's off to them. And I know you guys wanted to say a couple of things as well, but um, I think of them a lot and I'll be thinking a lot about them a lot this time next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's um, EMS people, it's um, the hospital folks, nurses, docs, the people we interact with very stressed right now. You know, um, there's been surges throughout the country of this um, pandemic and, uh, you know, we think of those folks um, that can't be celebrating with their families because they're in the thick of things and um, somebody's got to do it. And uh, um, I'm, I'm always just humbled by uh, those folks and how they give of themselves. And many of them do it joyously. They, some look forward to that day. They say, say, um, I, I can't imagine, but um, yeah, hats off, um, especially at this time. Um, you know, keep your head up, your chin up, uh, take care of your own mental health um, and make sure you're, you know, you're, you're checking in with folks and um, be safe. That's all we can say. And thank you. Just big thank you. No doubt about it. Yeah. Any of our regular listeners, you know, we have the three of us have a great deal to be thankful for. And we speak about that often, but um, as Gary pointed out and Chuck echoed, um, we are very thankful for you all being out there on the front lines and, whether you're like Chuck said in the hospital or you're in the fire station or in your, in your police cruiser or you're on the ambulance over the next week or two, we appreciate the fact that you're out there doing what you do. Um, and uh, thank goodness for the patients that at least two of the three of us aren't out there anymore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck is still doing his thing. And I forgot to tell you guys, I have a great opportunity that happens to me every year, Christmas Eve, I get to put the old Santa outfit on and head up to the hospital and uh, I spent a couple hours with the rest of the leadership team at the hospital. For those of you who know, I'm a volunteer board member at one of the local hospitals. And we went run around and talk to the staff and thank them and, and get a chance to see some of those patients who, unfortunately, some can't go home for the holidays to be with their families. Um, and I got to tell I love going to the OB unit because I get pictures taken with the babies. It's fantastic. It makes my night. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. That's a, sounds like amazing. Fun. Yeah, really great things. And let's not forget that this is also a very tough time for people. Oh. Uh, you know, this was many families out there are um, have an empty seat at their table. Uh, many of our public safety providers, EMS, fire, police, um, you know, have had some tough times, uh, seen some things that, that nobody should be forced to see. And uh, let me just say, you know, if you're struggling, talk to people. There's help. You don't have to keep it all inside. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, um, the suicide rate amongst public safety providers. And uh, we all need to do a better job of make, in heightening the awareness and letting people know that they're not alone. I was, uh, uh, I have a little volunteer job that I do and I was last night and uh, just as normal, you would ask some person this time of year, are you ready for the holidays? And you know, I, I found out that it wasn't a, wasn't a good time for this person. You would never know it because they're fun loving and uh, they laugh a lot, but they just, it's a tough time. And I didn't go into any great detail to find out why, and she didn't want to volunteer it up, but you know, it's important to uh, get help if you need it mm -hmm. because um, there's thousands who struggle through this holiday season for whatever reason. We've got people within our own organization it's, it's going to be a tough Christmas for. So um, keep that in mind. There's always help. It's the, it's never to a point where there's, uh, you can't turn back. You always can turn back and get help. So um, keep that in the, in the forefront of your mind at all time. And 
um, you know, if we can do anything to help promote um, that awareness, then we'll use this platform to do that. So, so there we have it. Well, gentlemen, our time has really come to an end here. We've covered a lot of things. We put 10 pounds in a five pound bag here today for this holiday edition. Um, thanks to both of you for uh, joining me. Ed, thanks for getting dressed up. Doc, thanks for being here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wish oh. least he's not in a bowling shirt. It could yeah, be a bowling right. shirt. Right. Bowling shirt. <laughs> yep, it could be a bowling shirt, so we should be thankful. Time of year yep. to be thankful. Yep, absolutely We're right. We're going to have to do a live one of these at the bowling alley. Yes, that would be something to behold. Uh, That's what our listeners would want to hear in the background. I'd like to see how many downloads we get on that one. Anyway, uh, yeah. so with that, I will say to uh, both of you, uh, the best of holidays to you and your families and to all our listeners, the very, very best of holidays to each of you. And for those of you that are in the public safety realm listening to this, you have our heartfelt thanks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. And to you, my friend. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, guys. You guys have a great day and listen. Be Be safe safe out out there.